Acts chapter number uh, 12, where we were this morning. Uh, we looked at the first 23 verses this morning. Tonight, we're going to pick up in verse uh, 24. And we're going to go over into chapter 13 <coughs> a little bit. And uh, the title of the message tonight is Investing in Others, Making an Investment in Others. And we always want to be involved in that and engaged in that. Let's all stand together, please, tonight. Let everybody uh, stretch out a little bit. We're going to read uh, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12, verse 24. And we're going to read down to chapter 13, verse number 3. So just five verses tonight. And then I want you to hold your Bibles open because we're going to be turning and looking at some scriptures here in the book of Acts uh, for our message. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Father, tonight we ask your blessing one more time upon the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bring things to my remembrance things that I've studied, things that you have poured out in my own heart and mind. And I pray that you'll guard my thoughts tonight and guard my heart and guard my lips and my tongue that you would help me to speak to your people, edify your church tonight as we come together. And I pray that we have a complete understanding of what it is to invest in those around us. We pray for the power of God and your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> you may be seated. <clears throat> Throughout church history, Satan has made attempt after attempt to stop or at least hinder the transforming power of the Word of God. In order to hinder the work of God, he will attack from within if he is allowed to get a toehold or from without whenever he is given the opportunity. In Acts chapter 4, I would like for you to turn there with me tonight, the apostles were threatened physically for preaching Jesus. And they returned to the church and brought the matter before the Lord in prayer. Look with me in verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. 
And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. The threats upon the apostles did not stop the word of God from being able to go out and still reproduce. Turn with me to Acts chapter 6. And there we find a murmuring within the church that some widows were neglected. You're taking care of these, but you're neglecting mine. That was the murmuring and the complaint within the church. And the apostles in the church came together and they selected seven men of honest report, men filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with wisdom to look after this business. And the Bible says in verse number seven, as a result, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Satan tried to get within the church and cause conflict and murmuring. And there is no doubt that he has, from time to time, had success in that area in some churches. But when the men of God came together and they found a solution and worked together, the word of God did not fall aside. It increased and God continued to multiply believers. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 12, at the beginning of that chapter, as we looked at this morning, James was murdered and Peter was on death row. But God heard the prayers of a pleading church and set the apostle free. And despite the attacks on Christianity and the local church, the Bible tells us in our text as we begin tonight in verse 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be trials. There's going to be things that we face and we wonder what is next. We wonder what may be happening. Maybe sometimes we even question what God is doing. But I want to point out tonight this very important fact that no matter what we face, God's word will continue on. It's outlasted the attacks placed upon it throughout the centuries, and it will continue on through the faithful people who simply cling to the Lord and refuse to quit. Now tonight, we begin a transition in church history. We begin a transition in the book of Acts. And the two key figures that we come across in our text tonight are two great examples of men who refused to quit, and that is Barnabas and Saul. They were an answer to a prayer that Jesus instructs us to continue to pray today. And that prayer is found in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 37 and 38. I'll read it to you. Jesus said, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So the question is always this. Who will be the next man, the next woman, the next teenager? Who will be the next person who will stand up and say, I'm willing to serve and I'm willing to stand in the gap? Tonight, I want us to look at examples of individuals who chose to invest in others and what God did with it. Church history would look a lot different if not for people like Barnabas. If you'll turn back to Acts chapter 4, the Holy Spirit doesn't find it necessary to record Barnabas giving a public message or delivering his personal testimony, but it does record his influence. The first time he shows up is in verse 36 and 37 of Acts chapter 4. And we find there his name. Forgive me if I don't pronounce it right. It's Joseph. It's Joseph. Some say it's a pronunciation of Joseph. But it says that he was surnamed Barnabas by the apostles. And there's a parenthetical statement that says, which is being interpreted the son of constellation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Joseph was his real name. But we identify him, and he's known throughout the Bible by the nickname the apostles gave him because of his defining characteristic. Barnabas means the son of consolation, or we might refer to him as the son of encouragement. Barnabas had land, we find in verse 37. He had money. But then rather than invest what he had on things where moth and rust doth corrupt, things where the market goes up and down, Barnabas gave graciously to the church to help the work of the ministry. He told the apostles this. He says, take what I can give and use it to invest in others. Amen? Children, what you gave in your offering this week was more than just giving, getting points for your team. What you gave was an investment in those men who you saw stand on the platform. And for the teenagers, it was more than who is, who is going to win, the red or the blue team. It was an opportunity to take something that you could give and invest it in these men whom God is doing a work with on this platform. And when the offering plate comes around tonight, and when you give your offering, it is an opportunity for you to put something in the plate, or maybe you give online. I don't care how you give, just give. But when you do so, you're saying, Here, God, I want to give this 
And I want the church to take it so that it can be used to invest in others. That's how it began with Barnabas. All right, so let's set the stage here. When Barnabas first shows up, he is just a church member who does what he can for the work of the ministry. And he says, I've got this land over here, and it's got some value. I want to sell it, and I want to give it, and let God do what God can do with it. He's someone who gives graciously, you might even say sacrificially. The next time he shows up is in Acts chapter 9. Turn there with me. The man known as Saul was feared everywhere as the great persecutor of the church. But on the road to Damascus, he was gloriously saved. And after he had spent some time growing in the Word of God and experiencing this new grace that he discovered in Christ, he returned to Damascus preaching Jesus. And of course, this angered the Jews and they sought to kill him. But some friends let him down out of a window on the city wall. They let him down in a basket while they held the rope. And following his escape from Damascus, we find him in verse number 26. Read along with me. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. If Barnabas had not invested in a young Christian in that moment, Saul's life history could have been completely different. Someone comes to the church for the first time. They're nervous. This is something new. They've got a past that people there know about. When you hear their name, you know of some sins that have been openly committed. But they've been, they've been saved. Maybe they got saved in a jail ministry. Maybe they got saved in RU ministry on Tuesday night. Maybe they got saved because someone went to their house door to door and opened up a Bible and they got saved. The fact is, they got saved. And they are going to be obedient to the Lord and they want to go to a church and they want to grow. But when they show up, you see them. And you don't say it, but the look is on your face. What are you doing here? Saul had come and he wanted to join up with the church. He wanted to come in there and he wanted to grow and learn. But the disciples, they were afraid of him because they knew his past. And they just thought in their own mind, this man's not changed. He's here to trick us. The devil's trying to use him. He's going to get in here and he's going to, and he's going to persecute us and see our church close down and see, the, and, 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 and see the gospel no longer go forth. He said, we don't want nothing to do with him. But Barnabas heard that. 
And Barnabas came to the church and he, he, he did even more. He got Saul and he says, listen, you come with me. And he took him to the leaders in the church. He took him to the apostles. And he stood up for him and he, he testified for him. He declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and how God had spoken to him and how he, this, this great persecutor of the church, now preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. When I was, when I was reading this, I was thinking back in my preparation for this message over a number of people whom God used in the early years of my life, in the early years of my spiritual life. In the early years of me attending church when I was a 19-year-old. They didn't have a college and career class. They stuck me with the teenagers. And I remember sitting in that class and the teacher was telling them to turn to this book and turn to this book and turn to this book. I didn't, I thought it was all one book. And I had to go, I had to hold my finger on the table of contents and I, I could feel the eyes looking on me. And somebody helped me. And I could, I could remember when I'm growing in the Lord and all of this was new. And I know that I made some mistakes. And some people could have taken those mistakes and crushed me. They could have made a public example out of me. They could have scolded me in front of everyone. I wasn't the suit and tie wearing fella you see in front of you. But I saw those people come alongside of me and they'd sit down with me and they would pray with me. And they would teach me, and they would help me, and they discipled me. And I began to grow in the Lord. And I would not be here today if it wasn't for those people. They made a decision. I'm going to invest in that guy. I'm going to invest some time and some energy and some prayers and I'm going to help that young man grow in the Lord. Barnabas didn't have to do that, but I'm going to tell you something. God would have raised up another man to reach the world. Are you with me? None of us are irreplaceable. God can raise up someone else. But think of how it would have impacted that guy's life. That young man's life. His history, his bio, his testimony would have been completely different. But Barnabas saw an opportunity to invest in someone else. When the gospel reached Antioch in Acts chapter 11, turn there. The church wanted to see what was going on. And so they sent Barnabas to check it out. Pick up with me in verse number 20. <clears throat> and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, 
spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. When Barnabas came and he checked out that church, he saw those people really are saved. Praise God, there's a new work going on here. And he encouraged them, and he invested himself into this new church plant. But not only did he do that, he went to Tarsus, and he brought a young disciple by the name of Saul back with him to Antioch. And together they spent the next year teaching, preaching, and discipling new believers. Before God used Paul to reach the world for Christ, he used them to teach a Sunday school class and disciple individuals one-on-one. Are you with me? Before the world knew him, Barnabas said, why don't you come and help me teach these children? Why don't you come and help me disciple these new believers? Why don't you come help me and go on outreach and we'll go together and two by two, me and you, we'll go and we'll, we'll try to reach more for Jesus Christ. Barnabas saw an opportunity. And he's, he knew of a young man who had left Jerusalem and gone back home to Tarsus and he just said, you know what, this is an opportunity for Saul to grow in the Lord. And he invested in him. And Saul gladly took the opportunity. How can I help? How can I serve? Invest in others. We stay in Acts chapter 11. And we read of their next appointed task beginning in verse 27. In these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now Barnabas and Saul were selected by the church to carry a love offering to the brethren in Judea. It was a risky venture. They couldn't just get on an, on an iPhone, click on an app, and transfer money. They had to carry the bag. It was risky. They had to put their lives on the line. And these men were not only to be trusted, but must be willing 
to take on such a task understanding what could happen to them along the way. And many a great man has fallen to the corruption of money. But Barnabas was someone who had money in his past, and he chose to give it to the Lord. The love of money had no sway over him compared to his love for God. So they sent Barnabas, and they selected Saul, worthy enough to go with him. And Barnabas and Saul made sure the money got where it was supposed to go. Barnabas once again invested in Saul, and together they honored the Lord and his church. Invest in others. We go to Acts chapter 12. When we get to verse 24 and 25, it's from the delivery of this offering that they return. And we find that they picked up another young man along the way in verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. If you remember up in verse number 12, it was in the home of John Mark's mother, the church in Jerusalem had gathered in to pray for Peter. In fact, he was kin to Barnabas. When we get to chapter 13, the Bible gives us five influential people who ministered in the church. And I want you to read with me beginning in verse number 1. Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas was one, Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed they lay, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. I read somewhere that the timeline between Saul's conversion in Acts 9 and him being sent out in Acts chapter 13 was around 10 years. And in that time, Thomas, God used that time to prepare him to fulfill God's purpose in his life. In verse number 9... He receives a new name. Look with me in chapter 13. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, and that's what he's known from here on out, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And up to this point, the tag team was always referred to as Barnabas and Saul. But for the most part, that's changed. In verse 13, look with me, the group is referred to as Paul and his company. And if you'll skip on down to verse 43, they're most often referred to from now on as Paul and Barnabas. Invest in others. Stephen, invest in others with the hope that they will go forth and do greater things than you, ever, than you ever have.
my prayer is for you guys and you ladies. That you'll go forth. And God will use you to do greater things than we have ever seen done in this church. The idea of investing in others is not for you, is not for me to produce someone who's just like me. The idea of investing in others is not for you to come behind me and me keep you behind me. The idea of investing in others is so that you can go forth and God accomplish His will in your life and maybe, Lord willing, it's something greater than i ever seen happen in my own life. It was always Barnabas and Saul. Always Barnabas and Saul. And now, and now God by His Spirit says, I want those two to go off and do something else the world has not seen yet. I want those two individuals to go and take the gospel to places that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. I want those two to go and I want them to preach and plant churches and I want to see souls saved. God says separate those two because I've got a greater thing than the other three who are going to stay back in Antioch. And along the way, Barnabas steps aside. And he says, okay, buddy, you preach to the crowd. And he gets to a point where he says, Paul's a much better preacher than me anyways. Let him preach. And the Holy Spirit records Paul preaching And he records him giving his testimony of salvation. He never did with Barnabas. And I think Barnabas was okay with that. Are you with me? Don't ever be in a place where you can't be happy to see other people succeed. Amen, amen, and amen. Don't ever be in a place where you hope someone else fails. Or that you're afraid that all of a sudden you're not going to be in the limelight, now you've got to be in the shadow. Let God shine through them. Amen? May God do great things for them because what needs to be done is greater than my little testimony and my feelings and my reputation. It's about God changing the world. Watch this. Now in Acts chapter 13 and verse 13, John Mark decided for one reason or another that traveling with the two preachers wasn't for him. Read with me. And when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now we don't know why. We don't know why he decided to return and leave them. And we don't know why sometimes people will do the things that they will do. Sometimes we'll just never understand it. But if you deal with people long enough, eventually you'll be disappointed. Can I get an amen? 
eventually people will disappoint you. Now obviously Paul was troubled over why John Mark departed. And following their first missionary journey and reporting to the church, they're ready to go out again. Turn with me to chapter 15. And they're ready to return to the places where they've already gone, as well as carry the gospel further. Look in verse 36 of Acts 15. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not out with them, and not went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now Barnabas chose to invest in John Mark, who if you haven't figured out by now, is the one who wrote the gospel of Mark. Paul chose to invest in Silas. Chapter 14, he meets Timotheus. He becomes his son in, his, in the faith. And Timothy would later travel with him and one day would become a pastor of a great church. Now Paul says, I don't want anything to do with Mark. Barnabas says, I know, but Mark's got some value. Well, you take him. You do something with him. You want to invest in him, you invest with him. You go your way, I'm going to take Silas and I'm going to go my way. And Barnabas invested in John Mark. Invest in others even if they have disappointed you. Invest in their potential. All of y'all look at me. Red, blue team, look at me. All right? Everybody look at me. Sometimes you're sometimes, I'm not going to say you're going to. I'm going to say sometimes y'all have done things that makes your parents want to scream. Y'all can say amen. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the kids. Yes, my boys have heard me raise my voice many times. Sometimes you're going to disappoint people. Sometimes people's going to disappoint you. I want you to know that your parents love you. And I want you to know that I love you. Because of the potential of what God can do in your life. Sometimes people make mistakes. And you know what you make the mistake of doing? You write them off. As if you've never made a mistake. Sometimes you do things that if he wasn't God, he would scream. 
Sometimes you do things that your pastor wants to scream and pull his hair out. And you think, why did they post that? Amen. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? And some people will say, hey, I'm going to write you off. And when you find yourself worthy, and I deem you worthy, then you can start coming around. Katie, you're always welcome at my table. So are you, Todd. I don't care what mistake you make. The grace of God is greater. And love covers the multitude of all sins. That's why your parents hadn't killed you yet. Because they love you. Mikey, God can do great things in your life. And I can't wait to see it unfold. And the same for you, Landon. And I'm praying that's the truth for you, Will. I only said that because he's my son. Let me rephrase. Because I say it to him often. God wants to do great things in your life. Am I embarrassing you now? Everybody's looking at you. Reagan, God wants to do incredible things in your life. Same for you, Autumn. All of you. Callie. God wants to do extraordinary things in your life. And yes, you're going to make mistakes. And yes, you're going to slip up. And yes, sometimes you're going to disappoint. But Barnabas said, I'm not ready to give up on that one. And none of us should be ready to give up on that one. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and we'll close. These are Paul's final words. And he recognizes in verse 7 that he has fought a good fight and finished his course. The time of his departure from this life will be soon. Now I want to focus on his words to Timothy beginning in verse 9. 2 Timothy chapter 4. He tells Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He's telling him, I don't have a lot of time. So get here as quickly as you can. He says in verse 10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Someone else disappointed the Apostle Paul. They've departed and they've returned to the world. Obviously, Paul's disappointed because 
It was someone that he invested heavily in. But note verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with me. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. At some point, Paul recognized that he was wrong and Barnabas was right. Barnabas continued to invest in a young man despite his past mistakes. And it would pay dividends in the local church forever. As I mentioned earlier, we have the gospel of Mark as a result. I want to encourage us tonight to invest in others. Find somebody you can pour into. Give so that you can invest in the eternal investment. Teach a children's Sunday school class. Invest in Kid Zone and Awana. Do you realize tonight that one of the that perhaps the greatest soul winner the world has ever seen is, is a little child in this room tonight? You realize in this room tonight could be could be a young man who's going to pastor the greatest church that has ever come from Somerville Baptist Church. Invest. Disciple 101. Invest in a teenager. Invest in a fellow church member. When we are gone from this ministry or this life, may the work of the Lord continue greater than it was while we were here because we invested in people. And it is an investment with eternal rewards. I would not be here tonight if people didn't invest in my life. Some a small amount, some in great measures. Find somebody you can invest in. Make an impact. Touch a life. See what God can do with it. Let's bow our heads tonight.